Mano a Mano is a retrospective movie show for adults only, educational, satirical, transgressive. It's just entertainment. We'll not out to offend, but at the end of the day, Frank Zappa said it best. You either get it or you don't. Roll the tape. Okay, I do. Uh, welcome to Mano Amano, uh, a place where men can be men. Uh, my name is Jonathan Astro. With me is uh, Yuri and Ricky Allpike. Now, gentlemen, you know, uh, what do you, what do you think of big black subs? You mean things that are long, hard, and full of semen? Yeah, love it. Especially black ones, is that what you're saying? Well, that, I, that was the descriptor I used. <laughs> bit I mean, bigger, bigger than the bread basket. <laughs> well, you don't need to. I mean, you know, I'm just, I just asked. Anyway, I, the only reason I ask is because I, I think we they're are great. I think they're great. <laughs> That's the correct answer. So the reason I ask is because we're doing the hunt for it, October 1990 today, and um, I want to know, gentlemen, are you? What did you? Th- what did you make of this? What was? What was? Have you? Had you seen this ever? I had a great Before? time. I'd seen it a long time ago, maybe a few times uh, as a kid, but it was, uh, it was fun to check it out again. Uh, the first time for me was maybe about a year or so ago that I tried watching it, and uh, I didn't have that great a time. Really? Um, but looking back, I think I must have been distracted because this time around, uh, I had a wonderful time. It was fucking great. That's, that is... Excellent news. Well, just on that, um, obviously we are, you know, uh, millennials of a kind. So this has come from a time when, you know, just when we were preteens, and it, this was a huge movie, budget thirty million, box office two hundred million. We don't talk in those terms now, but basically that means that this was ubiquitous. This was everywhere. The posters were everywhere. The video cassette was everywhere. It was, you know, it was so big. So. Your experience as a, as a kid, Ricky, like, I mean, what the fuck did you get out of this? Because when I was a kid, you know, I I, I knew on some instinctual level mm. that I should like it, but obviously it was it was very I, boring. I, yeah, I, I think kid. I had a similar experience. I, having an older brother who's four years older than me, maybe he got a little bit more out of it and I kind of have to follow follow on from what he's into in a way. Yeah. But I don't have... I don't have that many memories of of watching it. I just I just know I've seen it a couple of times as a kid. Yeah. But but the interesting thing I think Yuri, you uh, you described something that I think I picked up uh, this time around in in that in terms of its pacing, like I feel like it takes a, just a little bit too long to really get you, and then it really in that last forty minutes, it's just it's just a ride and it's and it's great. It's also a movie for proper adults and a proper captive audience. So I think the um, I'm pretty sure I tried watching it during a period where my toddler wasn't sleeping very well. So, <laughs> the worst, so I kept the getting worst time. Distra- and, and but that, the thing is that you need to pay proper attention to pretty much all of it. And you, you know, if if you pay attention the way adults in cinemas used to, it's fine. It's not like it's overly complicated. But there's just so many of these kind of little subtle things and these little setups and suggestions that do ratchet up the tensions earlier on when if you're not paying proper attention, you'd probably just miss all that. Mm. Um, and then, of course, it does ramp up at the end as well. But, you know, like all, all the kind of early 
kind of potential threats and dangers and intrigue and and um you know they're constantly subtly playing back and forward with is he a madman who's trying to blow up the u.s or is he defecting so clever. they go back and forward on that quite a lot um and that was like what i was annoyed at was i didn't give that to myself the first time around by not paying proper attention and i took that away from myself this time around because i knew the ending so it was like oh fuck I should have watched it properly from the beginning. This would have been fucking great. I would have been so much more interested and excited and, and you know, like um, kind of taken into the story and, and been guessing so much more. I feel like you've, you've hit upon it. Paying attention, I think, is the, is the key. Paying attention to the right type of movie. So there's so much craft in this movie. It is like a, yeah, a fine coffee or a fine wine or something mm. that, that there are notes in there. It, there's a lot of... There's a lot going on, but you need to be paying attention. So you could say pay attention, but then if you just if you are watching Fast Ten, then I don't I don't think you should pay too much attention. You no. know, because that's a, then that's what burns you. You go, I paid lots of attention, and it was I didn't get anything out of it. Whereas this is this is, I mean, I don't want to go go to skip ahead too much, but I th- I I thought this was magnificent and so much so vastly superior. To the to a lot of the content mm. we're seeing today. Oh yeah, that this is a completely different game. The most brilliant commander in the Soviet Navy. Remy has trained most of their officer corps. He's nearly a legend in the submarine community. The most deadly submarine ever built. This thing could park a couple of hundred warheads off Washington. Nobody'd know a thing about it until it was all over. And once more, we play our dangerous game with our old adversaries, the American Navy. His plan is a mystery. A man with your responsibilities reading about the end of the world. Apparently, he has suffered a kind of nervous breakdown in which he announced his intention to fly his missiles on the United States. He wants us to help you hunt him down, kill him. Open the outer doors, firing point procedures. We sail into history. I'm going to blow him right to Mars. Ramius might be trying to defect. You're just an analyst. Why can you possibly know what goes on in this mind? I'll give you three days to prove your theory correct. I am not field personnel. I am only an analyst. You're perfect. I'm expendable. He's defecting. You willing to bet your life on that? From the best-selling novel by Tom Clancy. From the director of Die Hard. Give this man a chance. My orders are specific. Battle stations. Sean Connery. Alec Baldwin, James Earl Jones, Scott Glenn, Sam Neill, The Hunt for Red October. Well, I should, I'll just get the, the synopsis out of the way. Set in 1984, the story follows Captain Mari, uh, Marco Ramius, played by Sean Connery. He's the captain of a high-tech new Soviet submarine outfitted with a Caterpillar drive, which renders it undetectable to passive sonar. Ramius covertly kills the ship's political officer, that's a, a Soviet a KGB agent, and replaces the ship's official orders with new ones of his own construction. He informs the crew that they are, in fact, to now conduct missile drills off the coast of the United States, and the Red October, that's the name of the ship, engages its Caterpillar drive, goes silent, and is lost to the US sub that is tracking it, the USS Dallas. We'll come back to that shortly. CIA analyst Jack Ryan, played by 
Alec Baldwin is engaged by Admiral Greer, James L. Jones, to brief government officials on the Red October. The going theory is that Ramius, the captain, has gone rogue and plans to conduct a covert nuclear strike. The astute Ryan uh, offers that he believes Ramius actually intends to defect to the United States. The National Security Advisor to the President gives Jack Ryan three days to prove his wild theory, and so he is choppered uh, to the mid-Atlantic to an aircraft carrier. Uh, also, hot on the trail of the Red October is a Russian sub helmed by one of Ramius's mentees, Tupolov, Stellan Skarsgård, with orders to destroy the Red October. The Caterpillar drive is damaged by an unknown saboteur, leaving Red October vulnerable to detection. Meanwhile, Ryan is transferred to the from the aircraft carrier to the USS Dallas. Uh, that's the, that's the sub uh, captained by Scott Glenn's character, Mancuso, where he tries to convince, convince the ship's commander to contact Ramius to discover his motives. The Soviet ambassador informs the national security advisor, uh, to the president that is, that Ramius has gone rogue and seeks help in finding and destroying the vessel. So the orders are sent out to, from uh, the executive branch to the Dallas, which has the October in its sight. So uh, the Dallas is ordered to destroy uh, Red October. So Jack Ryan convinces the commander of, of the Dallas to con- contact Ramius and not destroy him for the moment, where, where it is confirmed via private Morse code that he is indeed planning to defect. They arrange a rendezvous point and then Ramius stages a nuclear-related accident aboard the sub. This enables him to have the crew abandon ship uh, to be rescued by the Americans above. So Ryan and, and uh, Commander Mancuso of the Dallas board the Red October where Ramius requests asylum and turns over the vessel officially. The party is crashed by the Russian sub that was in pursuit of Ramius, that's the one captained by Tupolev, uh, and it is also revealed that one of the ship's cooks is an undercover GRU agent, that's sort of like the KGB, uh, and the saboteur, he's also the saboteur who shut down the Caterpillar drive earlier. He fires a pistol into the bridge and manages to kill the first officer, that's Sam Neill, before retreating to the missile missile bay to wreak more havoc, uh, presumably to destroy the ship. Ryan and Ramius mount up and go off in pursuit of the saboteur. Ramius is injured and Ryan goes it alone, eventually killing uh, the saboteur. A lot of rounds he shoots into <laughs> as well, by the way. The Russian sub, uh, the, the Konolov is the name of that sub, actually, that's in pursuit, fires upon Red October. USS Dallas launches a countermeasures and evades the torpedo, but unfortunately, it, re- it, it reacquires the Red October. And the commander of the Dallas, now in charge of the of Red October, pulls off a maneuver that diverts the torpedo back towards the Kolonov, and it destroys the Russian sub. Ryan and Ramius finally navigate the Red October up the uh, Penobsc- Penobscot? Penobscot? Sorry, people in Maine, I don't know how to pronounce that. River in Maine, where Ramius confesses to Ryan that he defected because he believed the ship was going to be used in a preemptive strike against the US. Credits. I already want to discuss counter theories to part of what you just said okay go go the cook the the agent yeah see i i didn't think he was the saboteur i thought he was a plant uh but i thought uh the captain sabotaged it on purpose or at least knowingly yeah at least knowingly with the engineer to give them a legitimate reason to evacuate the crew well, well the, who were the end? But that Ramius and the engineer are talking about it. Was there another person that they were staging that discussion for? Everyone, I he, think they were the only two that knew, because right at the end, uh, the captain gives the engineer a look, 
and it's just a shared look between the two of them. So I don't think Sam Neill or anyone else actually knew about it. I think it was actually just between those two to fully sell I think that the, the nuclear thing was staged. The nuclear yes. accident. Yeah, that yeah. was staged, but the saboteur, but the, the disabling of the Caterpillar drive wasn't staged. Did so he yanked... Because that was... That was the brilliant maybe, thing about... Maybe he just used it afterwards the, as, as yes, lending legitimacy to the plan he already had. He said that. He said, he goes, this is going to, this will actually work yes, in our favour. Yes, he did. He did. So, no, well, that's I, actually another part of the reason why I thought he'd planned it, but I don't but know, maybe, I think, maybe I've misread it. No, no, but I think the, the brilliant thing about the, 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 everything in this movie has a one, two, three. That's why John McTiernan's great. That's why the, all of the screenwriters on this are great and John, and John McTiernan's great. So we get, you know, I mean, you might. Some people might say it's too neat, but this is Hollywood, uh, proper big Hollywood filmmaking. So, for example, he talks to his kid at the beginning, and his kid says that she wants her bear Stanley to have a brother. At the end of the movie, we get the, the bear. bear. Okay, so the beauty about the cook is that it's the cook who he brings over and says, "I want you to witness this while I'm taking the key." Yes. So that's one. Two is him disabling the the caterpillar drive, unbeknownst to everyone. Uh, uh, three is um, uh, and obviously Ramius using using that well he acknowledges that there's a saboteur he st then Ramius st stages the nuclear thing and then finally it's the reveal that he's he is in fact a GRU agent right or whatever or I, I, that's how I read it anyway no yeah no, you've convinced me now there's a lot to say this is the ultimate dad movie okay Tom Clancy boomer dad fantasy like affluent, here's some keywords for you. Affluent but academic. T turtlenecks, white turtlenecks, master and commander naval nonsense, security, secret security clearances, fancy boardrooms with wood paneling, sticking it to the generals, i.e., your boss. Uh, a bit of a bit of light adventure, you know, but also killing cunts if they need to. And no women allowed. No women allowed at all. Even behind the camera, <laughs> like, we we see a couple of chicks in the beginning, don't we? Like 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 Jack, Jack Ryan's wife, his and wife. then like an air hostess. Yeah. I I hear yeah air hostess. I hear the voice of a woman in the sub dock. She's calling out something about hand me some rods or something, and his daughter. So there were like three female speaking parts of no mm. importance whatsoever, and. Some ADR of a chick that when they panicked, obviously, and were like, "Oh, let's just throw another woman in there." I've got a woman. I've got. I'm married. Throw a woman in there. So anyway, it's the ultimate dad movie. Now, I mean, could you imagine there being such an aggressive masculine dad movie? Now, I'm trying to think. Not at all. Well, you'd 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 have to fill quotas. You can't not fill quotas. Well, you do because we've talked about this on, in the past before. Ava DuVernay, uh, a director out there, she started this sort of race grifter, um, uh, what, what do we call it? Like a consultancy business where you got to pay the piper. So if you start any any movie, you have to have a meeting like with her <laughs> and her creeps yep. and her creeps, and they look at who's who's on your thing, and they wheel in some yep. people. Like who need to be on it that you yeah. don't know. Now I don't know if you're going to get John McTiernan necessarily or people he's built up relationships with over decades. I don't know if that's who you're going to be working with, but Yuri, someone will definitely be on it. Okay, 
Someone will be. It's. I mean, what's the difference? What's the difference if Frank Uriosti's on it or to some chick <laughs> or Yann de Bont? Who cares? I mean, what's Yann de Bont ever done? Just get some some chick involved. I mean, why not? Well, I mean, that's She's the thing because because the jobs are so lacking. Like, you don't need skill or talent or dedication or experience to do any of this shit. So, you can just fill it with any old person that just ticks the right boxes. So, we should have to... So, don't, you know, oh, trying to get the best person to... Fuck that. Anyone is the best person for the job. Uh, so, just get all your diversity quotas. I think Sean, Sean Con- Connery's character should be a man dressed as a woman with huge fake titties. Well, <laughs> of color. Of color. <laughs> Well, look, it, yes, there's, there's a lot to discuss. So, I don't know, random little thoughts I had. Um, again, I had, oh, I was struck by this. 1990, what a world, hey? Like, plane travel. Like, plane travel was a big, was a huge mm. deal. Like, we, we, people just getting on, like, he goes, Jack Ryan get, goes from Heathrow to fucking DC or whatever, like, just the airport. And, like, when I was a kid... You know, we weren't like super poor or anything, but like that was just ne- that was not mm, a thing. Yeah. Going to the airport and going to Heathrow and stuff. And I know we're on the other side of the fucking world here, <laughs> so that's a big deal. But I just was struck by 1990. Like, if you would just, you know, because this is what you don't know. Have you ever noticed about Homeland? Kevin McAllister is fucking rich. Yes. Yeah. His family are fucking rich. They're flying to. Paris and there's like fucking 12 all of them. laid on and they've got all got so much luggage and stuff like you know if you bring an extra bag that's 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 yeah mm. laying for that yeah <laughs> so, anyway I got lost in that uh, but you know I, again I was just struck by all of the things we've already sort of touched on it like 1990 big budget big big stars get on to Sean Connery soon um, the, uh, absolute living legend Huge action director, you know, director of Die Hard and Predator. Just an enormous, well, ILM doing the VX and FX sort of getting, when I watched the docos, I loved, and no offense to my good friend who's in FX, but I loved the FX people being relegated. I liked the FX people being at the bottom of the heap. And that's mm. where they belong, like, in a way. Not the, not the wonderful workers, it's the, it's the, the houses that like that that they are now producers now they're at the top like i know you know they're they're sort of too involved in the process it needs to be oh we what we've done is we've shot all these these scenes with sean connery and all these other people sam neill talking in rooms and then there's some cards that we're just going to put up that'll say the sub turns or the sub does this and yeah we'll pull slot those in but most of it's going to be people talking well i think mostly because what you're saying is a symptom of the how the nature of filmmaking is flipped so they used to be relegated because it used to be about the story now it's about the effects i think i think i brought this up uh, in a previous podcast where apparently you know how marvel plans every movie for the next 25 years apparently they start working on the giant cg action scenes before a script even exists they start working on the big vfx fight so because these movies are now about the VFX and not the story, you just kind of go, 
yeah, those motherfuckers should be the one with the big houses because they're apparently what the movies are about and they're apparently the ones bringing in all the big bucks. Whereas before, it used to be about the story and the writers and the directors and the performers. So they would get the big bucks because that's what the movie was about. But think about the story material as well. Geopolitics, submarines, Soviets. I mean... And the amount of tension they get by having people in these tight... Well, they're not rooms, they're, they're interiors of a sub, but they're just looking at monitors talking about things that are happening. Yes. But it's tense and you go, oh, shit. Oh, counting down how close it is. And, and you barely... you. I think there's like entire sequences where they don't even have any exteriors. Yeah. It's all just done by like men looking at monitors and saying things and beeps and it fucking works and it's great. Keeping your attention and keeping the keeping the tension as well of those moments is a full-time job because you need to set up what we're looking for, what things mean, what numbers win like, you know, the, the, an example. So uh, they set up a, a wonderful uh, three-way moment where uh, Jack Ryan has to choose between the advice of Ramius and the advice of Mancuso about yeah. what to do, and so they say he'll say, and Ramius says, "Go to three fifteen. and then then Mancuso says, "Don't do that. Go to something else." And then so we're looking at the readout of three fifteen, and what's he going to do? And then he goes to three fifteen. You go, "Oh, he's picked Ramius. He's picked the three fifteen. So they, I don't know what the three fifteen means. I don't know what that means. I'm not. I'm not nautical. Mm. So, but they've said that's a stand-in for something else. It's a stand-in for, you know, trusting. Like it's not just between two men. It's between two men of opposing ideologies of of well, seemingly opposing ideologies, from from enemy countries. You know, like there's a lot at stake there. And but they've given us the markers, and that's just one tiny moment. This movie's littered with those things where they say we're looking at a chart. They then so, there'll be someone who explains it in a really cool way, and then really subtle way, and then we know what to look for. And then they go look, and then we go, and we feel involved. It's it's it was it was quite clever in that way. All ahead, flank, right full rudder. Right flank, right full. He's shooting again, sir. Go to battle stations. Battle station. Ice-pitch crews torpedo in the water, bearing 315. Make ring 7,000 yards. Steer right, 315. Wait a minute, that's heading into the torpedo. Steady bearing still 315. Estimate range 6,000 yards. Still 315. Steer right till this reach 315. No, that's wrong. Ryan, don't turn that goddamn wheel. 315. Yeah, and, and the, I think you've hit on it, like we do feel involved and I do think it it takes you into their world more. So you're experiencing it much more, much more like they are as well. So I think you're getting a little bit more of that immersion. I think you're getting a little bit more of that feeling like you're on the sub with them. Whereas mm. if you keep being able to cut outside and see everything from God's point of view, you're not in with them anymore. You're not get like I, I think you're you're actually missing a layer of tension of, oh these fucking numbers are all we've got to go on, and you're not a hundred percent sure until it's either too late or it's okay. No, I've got to see what the dumb advent whatever ship they're in the Avengers, whatever their dumb ship is. I've got to see the outside of them ripping through clouds and arriving to kick butt. That's what I need to see. So, are we going to talk about fucking Sean Connery yes. in this movie? Well, before we get too far into it, was his hair a big deal? I remember his hair being a big deal 
Yeah, I've to- and, we've talked about And this. it being ridiculous. And he popped up on screen. I'm like, I've got a big, big, juicy piece of trivia about his hair. So. All right. Okay. Okay, cool. But <laughs> We're going to come to that. I remember right? like it, he came up this time. I'm like, that's not bad. Well, he, he, he's been wearing uh, toupees for a long time. I think he's got, he had, uh, a, I think, a husband and wife team in London been making wigs for him for, in all his movies for a very long time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was wearing a piece when he, even when he did the early Bonds. But I, I just, I remember it, it was meant to look absolutely ridiculous and he popped up this time. I'm like, oh, it looks fine. Just wait till trivia. But no. I guess we'll get to it. We'll get we'll to wait it. Till, right, well, right. I will weigh in on that. I know I can, I can sort this out. Now I want to play you this. This is this is an ex, uh, an excerpt from um, a documentary about of Sean Connery, uh, and this is Kate Capshaw, Spielberg's wife. I started thinking about the leading men that we have now uh, in contemporary film. Who holds the screen that way, where you really cannot take your eyes off of them, whether they're speaking or not? And I can't think of anybody who has the same combination of qualities, where it's strength, it's masculine, it's powerful, it's uh, uh, thoughtful, it's intelligent, it's very terrific to look at. You know, I don't think there is anybody that uh, is his peer. Well, Kate Capshaw's cancelled. I, I mean, she should be imprisoned. She said masculine in a positive way. I mean... I know. Gosh. Again, this doco was filled with the most gushing... Tongue baths of Sean Connery. Um, I mean, I had forgotten what a what a living legend he was. May he rest in peace. But but particularly, I think in 1990, he just it was off his. He'd gotten his Academy Award, um, rightly or wrong. What did he get that for? The, untu- the Untouchables. <laughs> I don't uh, read that at all. Wrongly, wrongly, in my opinion. Well, look, it is an. Uh, it's an. It's not his best work. It was a li- it was it. a lifetime achievement award. It was a lifetime achievement award. So, any, anyway, he was legendary, and but everyone in this thing, from Alec Baldwin to get Kate Capshaw, Michael Crichton, uh, Kim Basinger, she's from Never Say Never Again. She was like fucking all over him. But the way they were talking about him, like, because now I think people just do documentaries now or, or podcasts. You could do a whole podcast about how much you fucking hate Matt Damon. <laughs> like, if you're a cheek, like, you could just talk about. How he should shut up, how he said the word fag too much when he was young or something. You know what I mean? Like it's it's how how he dared to say that having your leg grabbed and being raped are two different things. Yeah, well, look, but now like cause, because Sean Connery he's said way mad as shit. He said proper bad stuff. He said, Yeah, Shanita, you can always you can slap a woman, like, you know. Yeah, so you need a good slapping. Like, he said crazy shit. Like, Matt Damon hasn't even said crazy shit. Have you listened back to that, though? Uh, like yeah. Like, I, I think I, I listened back to the Barbara Walters interview where she started bringing it up and he was, like, kind of going along with it. I was like, oh, yeah, I said that. Yeah, I kind of believe it. But he's like, he's he's taking the piss. He's not being uh, serious. You think? Yeah. Well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and his wife came out and said, he's never slapped me. He's never raised a hand to me at all. He's like... I've- yeah, look, I mean, I, I, it, it was maybe I'm looking at it through a modern lens because it was it was just big words. I, I, so, at the time, the I difference remember, is, I thought like, holy shit, this guy's fucking insane. Because no, because now you you can't joke about anything like that. Like whereas he was coming from a time where you could, yeah, that that's yeah, when you, you could, could you you could you could play in this in this weird space, you know. Whereas, but but it was just this guy. 
this, this I never really appreciate it. The movie begins with an extreme close-up of his eyes and a landscape. It's like his eyes are a landscape. All the lines on his face, you know, and it pans out and I saw his face and he's got that beard and I was just like, Sean Connery is a total living, well, now, a legend, a dead legend, a proper legend, a legend. Like, and, and in this press conference he gives at the time, he is in total command of these people. About 100 people just, he was so sleek and so smart in a pre-internet era as well. Like, how would we be without the internet? If you didn't have the internet, if you wanted to be smart or sound smart, you would need to read big fat books and read journals, <laughs> you know? So that's why, again, this movie is quite brilliant because clearly the people who've written it and the screenwriters have done that. They've, they're book smart and journal smart, you know, whereas now you can be internet smart. You can go, you know, onto, you can read a few Forbes articles and Urban Dictionary and go, I'm so smart. Well, no, or podcasts. <laughs> yeah. You can listen to some podcasts and go, like out. Yeah, and podcasts <laughs> So you can listen to this and go, I learned so much. I'm so, so smart. So one, one thing I really like about the film is how they deal with the Russian to English transition, which I don't think you see this very often anymore, where uh, Sean Connery and the other Russians on the sub, they're all speaking Russian in the beginning of the film, and then there's a point where he's having a meeting with um, whoever the guy is he kills, the the. the yeah, political, political advisor. advisor. And it kind of zooms in on his face and then it zooms out and then all of a sudden now we're speaking English. On the word Armageddon, which is the same in Russian as it is in English. That's why they did it on that yes. word. Yeah. That's fucking amazing. But it's it's clever. I, I think, you know, and the audience gets it straight away. That It's happening for our benefit, you know. This is a big deal. Tarantino's talked a lot about this around Inglorious Bastards. He's talked about the importance of language. And because there's been movies like Where Eagles Dare, which is a Clint Eastwood movie where, you know, it's, it's basically like the movie that um, Leonardo DiCaprio makes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And um, he goes up to a castle and kills a bunch of Germans to get some stuff. But him and um, Richard Burton, they, they're pretending to be German agents and they're just speaking American. And it's... It's fucked because because they don't address the language. You're just meant to buy that these two guys have got amazing German. And you're like, well, I don't buy that. Like, there's something about their attitude. Like, people who are language learners who, you know, can do that. They exude a certain thing, mm. you know, and because they're not selling yeah. it. You just go, this well, is... Well, what's, this is, what's, they're what's that Tom killed. Cruise film where he plays a... Valkyrie. Yeah. I haven't seen that, but isn't that similar? Just they do they do a they do a transition at the beginning, okay. I think, when, when when he's riding or something. I, I do remember there's a, there's a, there's a transition, but they don't go as hard as they do in Hunt for October. And and the, the, they even do the so the zoom in on the mouth mm. as well. It zooms in on the guy's mouth. He says Armageddon, and then it zooms out. Yep. And then now we're in English. And then they even it stays that way. And then they burst the bubble again when the Americans come in on the ship, and then they're speaking Russian again. For, for a few sentences and then, then Jack can understand them and then we're back to English. Yep. yep. So clever. Yep. Like, this is a level... They're thinking about it. They're saying, okay, like, we've got to... We, this is something we need to address, you know. And because they, they're asking the big questions. They're saying, what's the point of Russian accents? Why are we having people doing Russian well, accents? Well, everyone does a Russian accent who's supposed to be Russian in the film, except for Sean Connery. I think that, no, the people who are Russian, I think they're Russian. Well, Sam Neill... Does a Russian accent? 
He does. does he though? I thought he was just no. doing. He everyone's doing Russian except for Sean Connery. I mm. think maybe the it, it's it's maybe a little bit like Gladiator where everyone sounded English yes. but Russell sounded Australian, but he was a Spaniard. So Sean Connery's Lithuanian. He's not actually Russian. His character's yeah. Lithuanian. Yes. So maybe yes. that's like eh. He can sound Scottish. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, but it's a testament to. I think that's why he's a megastar. That's why he's he's legendary because he's he's the type of famous you don't care. Like like you know when someone's that big, he could play any part, and you go, yep, cool. Well, in Valkyrie, everyone everyone went English, and then Tom just sounded American. Well, again, it's like. This this is a level of stardom that it doesn't matter. So I thought the language thing was just yeah, outstanding. Um, because they, they rightly they said that it would be too much. Like you're not going to make two hundred million dollars if if there's hard subs, hard Russian translated subs, yeah. uh, every time they speak. Then it's Das Boot or whatever. Yeah. Like you know, it's it's just like a and Das Boot's not a, like you know not didn't make this as much well, money. And, and I think especially in the nineties, uh, you know. Our dads didn't go to the movies to read a movie. They did not go to read a movie. <laughs> they went to watch one. They did yeah. not. They did. <laughs> it's so true. It's so See, true. You do cactus. Blagen. Botros vuyushi. Ekranyashi adiejdu svayu. Yon sabralek na miesta. Nazivaye mae paivrieski armegidon. And the seventh angel poured forth his bowl into the air, and a voice cried out from heaven, saying, "It is done." I I had a question mark around uh, Tim Curry's performance. <laughs> uh, uh, do, do, do we like You've it? You singled out Tim Curry. Do, do we like it or not? I'm not sure. <laughs> He's doing. I'm unsure. What needs to be done? <laughs> Tim Curry is. <laughs> I think Alec Baldwin is a bit oh, of a weak link. I thought I quite liked Baldwin in this one. I don't know. I, I, what didn't? Did you think Tim Curry was? Yeah. Canned? Yes. And, and, and in a, in a situation that that kind of didn't call for it, maybe it's just his his face, and because I know uh, Tim Curry. Are you saying that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Are you saying that Frankenfurter is camp? Are you saying that the man who sung uh, "I'm Just a Sweet Transvestite from Transsexual Transylvania" <laughs> is camp? Is as, that what you're as saying? As a medical officer on a Cold War era Soviet submarine. Yeah. Captain, we've got a level one radiation leak. Every surface of the ship is contaminated. Simply changing the air won't do. We've got to get the men off. Sir, we have been sabotaged. Who said anything about sabotage? Captain! Sir, I'm afraid the doctor is right. He's good though. He's he's doing a thankless job though. Like he's being a he's being a real scumbag in it. Like he's 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 doing gross stuff all the time. Like he's second guessing the captain and He's, you know, I thought it was even quite funny when he says, well, when he says, Captain, when he says, I'm going to scuttle the ship and he goes, you'll get the order of mm. Lennon for this. Like he's all, he's all delighted at the prospect. He's getting stooged. Yeah, and that's the thing. He's, he, he's the, also the ultimate buffoon because like he's getting the most lied to and the most tricked. But mm. um, well, it's it, a line call. Although that, that's the thing. It like how... How great the acting talent in this movie is actually gave away plot points for me. So when I saw the chef, uh, I've recognised that motherfucker. So from so many things, I'm like, oh, he'll be back. It's a character actor. Yeah. 
right? There was a bunch of characters. And then, like you him. know, Sarsgaard, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, he'll be back. <laughs> yes, yes. It's, it's like an episode yeah, of Law yeah, and Order. Yeah. Mm. Like, as, as soon you're as you see like, a decent oh, actor yes. as, as, like, you know, like, do a cameo, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. yep, they're going to be involved. Yep. You go, they're oh, going to be yeah. involved in the plot. Andrew McCarthy, yeah, he's yeah. coming back, he's coming back. Yeah, so now that's that. That is true. You you were undone by that, but I honestly thought Alec Baldwin was. Um, look, he's a. I think he's great. He's a great actor. Um, but and I'm a nobody. Let's get that straight. I'm a nobody. He's great. However, I'm able to understand that Sean Connery is 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 a mega star. Like like his charisma is so big that. And Alec Baldwin has said this in interviews. He's like, oh, he's like, once Connery was in the movie, he's like, I, I knew I was invisible. And he he is invisible in this movie. Because Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan, you know, in Patriot Games mm. and Clear and Present Danger. So if Harrison Ford was in this movie, he wouldn't be invisible the way that Alec Baldwin no, is. No, I, I think I don't know if I'd seen Alec Baldwin be this likable before. Because he's meant to be... Because he's meant to be quite young and green as well. He's normally a skis or a, or a just a, a bad guy, Little the actual bit, bad guy. Yeah, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. I think he's the bad guy in Mercury Rising. Yeah. <laughs> just to name two. Yeah, but that's like you know, I, I I quite liked him. Yeah, no, I thought he was all right, but but he just yeah, the, the he talks to himself, which is is in the script obviously, and um, I don't care for that. That's the only thing that i was like mm, i know because apparently this book was unfilmable mm. yeah i've read some of it actually when i was when i was really young and um uh it was yeah it's big and filled with a lot of detail and so unfil you know relatively unfilmable so they've they, they've had to the only time they've had to bend the rules is by having him talk plot points to himself a couple of times he says like he's shaving and he says how do you get people off the sub you know, how's he going to get people off the subway? And who is he? Who is he talking to? You could say, "Oh, well, he's the tortoise guy who talks to himself." And I'm like, well, oh, he's, but, uh, that's like, I, I think they set that up a little bit because he hadn't slept for days, and they set mm. this up. I, th I think a couple of scenes beforehand. It is a minor point, and and before he's shaving, as, he seems to be just weirdly just kind of lying that lying in bed awake or something, not being able to sleep. There's a lot of good work. Uh, look, the crimes in modern movies are much worse mm. this was very acceptable and i just thought they did such a stellar job of making this comprehensible like there's a lot of characters a lot of people in this movie a lot of story ground to cover mm. so i thought I, I i accept it in the end but yeah there, there are a lot of characters in this movie you know you've got the three mm. different subs you've got the uh, you've got the aircraft character, uh, aircraft car uh, carrier, and you've got, you know, you've got the admiral, and then you've got NSA. That's right, guy. Oh, sorry, no, the national security advisor, the 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 Russian ambassador. That's right. Yeah, you sort of got all these different spheres that are going on at the same time, and so it can can be confusing. I love seeing the Russian ambassador pop up because I'm I actually only just finished watching Lethal, Lethal Weapon two, like <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> Diplomatic community. <laughs> Yesterday I finished watching that movie and he's like popped up again, this time as a Russian. I'm like, oh, that fucking guy again. His name is Joss Just Ackland. full English. I think. And a great villain. Ultimate, ultimate. Is he South African? 80s villain. No, English. No. Nah. Yeah. No. Nah. Hey, you know who else is in this movie who you probably didn't recognize? And that is no. Niles the butler from The Nanny. Oh, I recognized him immediately. 
I've got a note da- that da- says Daniel. Here. I've got Daniel a note Davis. that says the butler from the nanny has an interesting fucking backstory. It's like <laughs> the youngest I've ever but seen. But also, him. like, oh, he was an American and a military sub before he became British and went and um, became a butler. Well, apparently, yeah, I did. I didn't know he was not English, and neither did the casting people on the nanny. By the way, he turned up with an English Brilliant. accent, and so that's he got it, and they didn't know that he was American, and neither did I. He's given it a hundred in this movie. Mm, he is. He's really. I thought he was quite it. good. Like he's yeah. he's all. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Like he was all in. Like he was really like he's memorable. Yeah, I think. Look, if we talk about scenes that I thought were good, um, my favorite scene is Sam Neill and Ramius, Sean Connery talking about America, sort of like two cowboys by the fire. And actually, Sam Neill got me. He got me. And if I was in the, if I was fully immersed, I, 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 I would, I welled up a little bit. When you died, you know, like, because. Yeah, because it's beautifully set up. I mean, you know, uh, uh, even if you know it's coming, like, you know, you don't just talk about what you're going to do in the future for no reason. But in the scene where they do talk about that, the whole point, if, you, if you're a kid and or a, you're a 30-year-old, a 30-something-year-old person who, who watches Ant-Man all the time, then maybe you're not going to pay attention to to guys living in a, a oppressive regime talking about, simple pleasures that but we take I think for there was the two things were so spaced so far apart that I, I actually didn't see it coming and actually just to bring back Lethal Weapon 2 again um, I saw the uh, the South African woman getting killed when like I, I kind of with how long they were spending on like the romance scenes and stuff I'm like mm, what's going on here and then he went and said goodbye to her and I turned to my wife and went oh she's fucking dead she's like what like yeah she's fucking dead like then, then there is <laughs> back out, back out now. Don't there don't isn't get this attached. long nice goodbye yeah. without she she's she's that's it. She's done. This is the last we're going to see of her. And then surely you know yeah they get kidnapped. Next time she's on screen, she's fucking drowned. So even drowned. like even yeah. back well, then, you know that, that like lesser movies put those things way too close together. But this one, they they were like halfway through the movie almost, and then kill him at the end. So they spent the whole movie making him likable just to kill him as opposed to like the rush job that they do a lot these days where it's like, oh, right before we've got to spend a bit of time with this person. Yeah, well, I just thought it was outstanding and, and he had a very simple wish of getting a pickup truck and living in Montana and marrying around a t- uh, American yeah. woman <laughs> and very sweet. And then when he gets shot, he says, I, I should have liked to have seen Montana. And I went, oh, God, mm. oh, God. I was like, why are you doing this to me? I October. So... That was, I really love that. Um, I thought that was the heart of the movie. And actually, we could do it again. The reason we don't have that today is because, you know, we could do it today about communist China. We could do it, we could do it about Russia, about what's going on in Russia. Like, um, imagine seeing a movie about, those, you know, the poor guys who are getting conscripted, you know, right now or in communist China, all the terrible things we see about communist China. But everyone's so dickless. They're too busy getting Chinese investors to make their movies that they that we don't we don't get to yep. do see this well that, that there's a real missed opportunity with Maverick Top Gun Maverick to, to actually have a bad oh, guy yeah. they, they just sort of have this nondescript enemy that they've got to take down you know yes whereas and I, I know they couldn't do it because there's so much money wrapped up in China but fuck man they should have made it China well they didn't get they pulled out of China they didn't they, they in the end because Maverick's got a Taiwan thing on his jacket that that was off last year and then they put it back on when they rejected was, China's oh. money. That's well, why Maverick one, was a big deal. One battle at a time, I guess. 
Yes. Uh, I did love the um, couple of other little things. The murder of the political officer is absolutely awful. Um, and the way he dies is fucking horrible. I put it on the list of absolutely horrible deaths. It's it's Wayne Grow horrible. Like, look at me. And Wayne Grow going... <laughs> and because he, he gets his head, back of his head slammed on the table and then he's staring up in horror that he can't believe how horrible his death was like how surprising and horrible it was so it's on a list of, of the worst deaths I've ever seen a lot of them are Scorsese movies actually so Maury getting killed in Goodfellas that's one of the worst things ever um, him just getting the thing in the back of the head that's the worst Dominic getting killed in Casino that's terrible um, well, it, it's because they're, they're drawn out so when they're yes. drawn out there's just yes. extra suffering Captain this is an historic moment for all of us. I should like to make a request. Before you proceed, I know it is not protocol, Captain, but would you permit me to post our orders and inform the crew of our mission? Well, this one was like he just watching him like yeah. drain out, yeah. you know. And so and there's no there's no death in John Wick that that really got you. Well, no, there was a death. In, no, there isn't. Uh, well, the death of the dog actually, but but the um the the Bond used to do this. The, the early Daniel Craig's did it. Like um he kills a guy with a pen in Quantum of Solace, and um sticks it in his leg or whatever and it's that's fucking badass like I mean, or he kills some guys in Casino Royale in a you know pretty drawn out way that was the point and um, they're sort of getting there but this was yeah totally horrible but but I loved the um, the shootout because the the, the, the the movie's about subs okay but it's Hollywood baby so we need a scene where we get up close and personal where we've got Berettas and we just we've got to snake around giant missiles and shoot at each other. And I love the, that. The, the shootout actually you know? lost me a little bit. A little bit. Did it? You were like, like uh, this. no, not really. I'm like, ah, oh, shootout. Okay. Oh no, but don't you knew it had to happen though? Like it would be. There is a point where, you know, dad guys need a shootout. Like 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 you wouldn't have made two hundred million dollars if. No, nah, they, they would the have been asking is, for it. They would have been. Because if. Because if Connery and Baldwin never met in the movie, really, you'd, you'd be annoyed. So they needed to meet, so they met. And they needed to do back-to-back. They needed to team up for a moment where they, where well, they I th- got... You I know, thought that other scene that. you mentioned before was perfect for that, where he's got different orders from two different captains, and it's like, which captain is he going to listen to? I thought that yes. was enough of a team-up. And then, like, the ending as well, chatting there, you know, talking about fishing in a river you know, which is what Connery wanted to do. Do you think it should have been hand-to-hand combat at the end there? Because that they can't shoot. They can't really shoot in a sub because you could you could put a hole in the sub. You could, you could I don't know, you could damage some of the war- nuclear warheads that are there. Like, you know, they should have dropped the guns. They should have gone, hey, hey we can't. We, we'll blow up the thing. And then they dropped their guns. And, then, and he shot him, you know, because it's John McTinney, he shot him in Die Hard way yeah. as well. Like, that was the same sound effects the same creative team and him just going and I went wow this is exactly what John McClane would have done to me the three sub shootout was plenty well you you you, you're elevated you want you 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 got you liked all the highbrow stuff and I I've just rubbed rubbed the shootout I I think the three sub shootout is maybe absolutely preposterous 
Like I've got no idea, yeah. but it, I mean, it was exciting. It was still cool. You know, the Dallas comes out of nowhere, diverts the torpedo, then he doesn't get it all yes. away, and then it re, you know, it reestablishes contact with the Rod October. Mm. But then they've pulled it around, and they, you know, shoot like head straight back into, you know, the other guy and um, Stellan Saskard's number two even says. <laughs> You've killed us. Yes, you've killed us. Bang. Yes, it's a fucking horrible line. He goes, he goes, he goes, he goes, you, you arrogant bastard, you, you have yeah. killed us. And he goes, it's such a horrible way to end. You arrogant ass, you've killed us. I think if we saw a slightly flashier version of that in a Star Wars prequel space battle, you'd go, fucking bullshit. Um, so I, I think, yeah. it, like, there was mad shit happening, and they sold it really well, and I, I thought that was plenty. The, the kind of last guy on the boat, I mean, with the exception of killing Sam Neill, which was a, a big moment, I'm not sure that they needed him at all. But if I did a... A brainstorm of, I mean, this is all, all in the book, obviously, but if I did it a, a mind map of what needs to go in this movie, Saboteur would be on there, Gunfight would be on there, you know, yeah, sub, sub fight. You need it all. Like, in fact, we're, I'm surprised, you know, some one of the characters didn't have a bum ticker. You know what I mean? Like, you I need mean, it just all. Just for my personal taste, actually, I re- they probably could have just had him come out. Sam Neill could have sacrificed himself to save the captain and then just disable him right there and then. And I think you would have had all the other saboteur, Sam Neill dying, awesome sub-battles. Just purely the gunfight itself, just for me, was a bit of a diversion, but I'm not mad at it. I just could have done without it. I love I love the subs. Like, just the look of them, the way they've done it with practical effects. They filmed it in... in, in Models. Yeah, and in, uh, in like a warehouse full of smoke... They they did add some sort of early computer generated stuff to to make the propellers look like it's it's moving water and that sort of thing. It was good because you can't you can't really see much. Well, that's pro- true to life, you know. I mean, that's why it's good though. Like, it, I feel like I can see everything when the Hulk jumps and hits another guy, and I don't want to see any mm. of it. You know, so there was something about it being obscured. That made it scarier as well. And, and again, mm, I think sure. it, it made you feel a lot more closely like to what the other characters are feeling. Because they don't have a bridge. They don't have They don't yeah. have a window. They can't yeah. see. You can't even see when there's a sub behind you. Well, uh, it's it's. Uh, I read about an incident where I believe a British and French submarine actually collided with each other in the ocean. They, did, they didn't even know they were next to each other. That's yeah. crazy. Well... Uh, <laughs> Ricky, what did you think of the music? I thought the music was good. Yeah, same guy that did uh, Conan. Not not as big. Not not as memorable. Not no, as no, big. It, it is as big. Coral. It is as big, but it's not it's not as memorable as Conan. I think. But I, I love the Russian singing. You know, men singing together. That was a bit <laughs> I, I thought was great because they set that up as well with the the sonar guy on the Dallas. And they started telling that backstory where he was playing Pavarotti through really loud through the sub and then someone else heard them. But then they kind mm. of cut the story mm. off and you go, oh, that scene wasn't about that. 
but then they did the singing with the Russian dudes and like they kind of set set up that moment that he could hear them singing through the sonar mm. like so many things in this was so like so many things were set up it was great here's another setup for you I know I'm moving really quickly but when he goes to see Skip the Jeffrey Jones with the red beard mm. he's doing fake beard acting um, the, the principal from Ferris Bueller <laughs> yep yes he is. He shows Ryan pictures of the yeah, rescue that sub. Later. And that's yeah. the rescue sub yep. that they get in later. And they said they they put a universal like, thing in it so you can dock with just about any sub. And you go, yep, that's coming back. And I was like, I did first time. I don't pay attention. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then the second time, when I was firming up, I was like, oh, I'm embarrassed. That's the thing they use. That's what it yep. was later. They didn't have to do well, that. I, uh, I mean, there might have been shitty questions. Like you know, because it seemed it would have seemed like a. I appreciated that they did. Like you know, when it's sealed with a Russian sub oh, directly over that. a hatch that just happened to be in the right place, you you might have called bullshit. Well, he, he's yeah, he's saying this is this is like proprietary. It's like something we've we've sort of knocked up. It's not, um, you know, this isn't something you can get on the market. I mean, it would yeah. seem weird if you could kind of do that sort of thing on a sub back then. I think I don't know. <laughs> They, they do actually have rescue subs that do that, but uh, I read that uh, they're rarely successful because when, when a sub goes, when, it, when shit goes bad on a sub, usually people don't know where the sub is. It just sinks to the bottom of the ocean mm. and you die. Now we're going to do something extremely fun. We're going to play a wonderful game called Who is my daddy and what does he do? All right. <laughs> who, is, who is my daddy? Uh, so just as a quick <laughs> recap, uh, I will be picking two characters from this movie uh, and presenting them to John and Astro as potential father figures who they would prefer. You've got to pick one, fellas. Um, now, not not too much to go on with this movie because, I mean, this is all a little bit more fun when things can be a little bit more silly. Um, but anyway, first, of course, Alec Baldwin as Jack Ryan. Pros, smart, capable. He looks quite rich i don't know what sort of setup he's got there at the beginning but i think he's married yeah and and she was like english maybe or was like anyway whatever mm. it is he's living a good life i mean it looks like he's flying first class as well and i uh, can't imagine that was on the company dime um you know he's they they kind of he's supposedly young and green so a lot of i think quite a few of the older generals refer to him as the kid or something like that uh, but despite that, he takes command when he needs to. He commands rooms when he needs to. He does what needs to be done. He gives orders when he needs to. And he does all of that without being cocky or arrogant or anything like that. So um, all up, very positive. Uh, cons, uh, he'll be away quite a lot. Uh, so, you know, that, that might be a con for you. You know, high risk sort of stuff. So... Yeah, you know, you might you might need you might be getting one of those very awkward phone calls and, and have this, you know, earth shattering moment. Um, he might call you a pig on your voicemail and he may shoot you with a prop gun. <laughs> I wondered if you were gonna go. Well I had there. to. Okay. I'm there not was not, there was nothing else I could use. Allegedly, allegedly shoot you, shall we just say well, I, I don't I think I think the the alleged thing was what hap- like if it was a misfire or not or no, you can say 
I don't know how you got to say it, but you can't say necessarily. Right. Well, look, either way, Jack Ryan, Jack Someone Ryan died. didn't have any fucking negative, so I had to just dive into Alec Baldwin. <laughs> say something about what Alec Baldwin, what a pig uh, he is. He called his daughter a pig. Is he, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I think he left it on her yeah. voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. So, so is he an epic famous. misogynist? Is that, is that, is that well, why he shot the DOP? Oh, God. <laughs> Fem- female Move on, DOP. quick. Yuri, quick, quick, quick. All right, Sean quick. Connery uh, as Michael Ramos. Uh, smart, capable, well-connected, stunning career. Obviously incredibly well-respected and probably quite well-off because of those things. Um, cons, it's Cold War-era Soviet well-off, so who the fuck knows what that means. <laughs> well, I mean, rubles. you're probably going to have a lot of cabbage for dinner. And I don't mm. mean cabbage with other things, mm. but your dinner is cabbage, I think, you know. And, um, Extra loaf of bread a week, maybe. Maybe, maybe. And then later in life, you're probably going to have to defect to the to your enemy's side. So I'm not sure how patriotic you are, but you know, you know, when when he starts uh, going grey, you'll you'll move into the other side of the world. Um, mind you, that could be a good thing if 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 he takes you with him. You might have been left in uh, the Soviet Union and then have to have the rest of your life going through the shame of having your father be a traitor to the people. And um, all the shit you, that might you would come be with in the gulag. Stuff. You would be in the gulag for that. Yeah, I'm sure you would. So, yeah. Ricky, tough choice. Jack Ryan or Marco Ramos? Well, I feel like Jack. He's quite a young father, which I think is a good thing. He could still, you know, get out and play, throw the football around with you, yep. play some catch, and you know, won't be won't be complaining about his sore shoulders and stuff like that because he's a young dad. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's good. Um, I don't know. Being the son of a Soviet that defects, I think that, I mean, you th- you would have a target on your back. I think for yeah. all time, you know. So, yeah. I think for, for for that alone, I'd have to pick Alec Baldwin. Yep. And Jack. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, look, I'm not I'm not being uh, contrarian here, but I, I I will say that I don't I don't appreciate people trying to buy my love okay with teddy bears and <laughs> yes. whatnot i don't appreciate that uh so i want to i want to go fishing with ramius and um, on a pond i think that's 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 worth it i know? thought that was one of the most lovely things in the movie that after all that he remembered to buy the teddy bear that his daughter asked him for he doesn't he, he isn't he, yeah, she, she well, asked him for it it might be how you do it it might be how you do it you might buy people off well, I don't. Yeah, well, no, I'm not playing play like that. All right, oh, I don't want. I want real experiences. I, want, I don't know how to fish, <laughs> so maybe he could teach me. Uh, but yeah, so it just seems sweet. So I think I'd probably go with Ramius. And and look, all we got to do is get a few more years, a couple more years, then that wall's coming down, and we'll be sweet. So I don't really think you'll matter. be sweet. You might not be in prison, but you no, won't we be won't sweet. be sweet. <laughs> we won't be sweet. What I've read is that that is that. Gangsters took over, so it wasn't uh, wasn't good. Well, right now you'd be back at anyway, war again. Gumbramis. You would be. You're getting conscripted. Mm. You're getting yep. conscripted. So do they conscript women? Yeah. No, they don't. They and did in the old days. I think, days. I think the trans population is about to swell in in Russia. No, but like the it's it's so weird because we've we've had i know we're going slightly off topic not really it, it is russia after all but this is all happening right now if you're listening in 200 years but so the 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 idea of 
we've been since 2016 or maybe even before we've been living in this woke nightmare where you know gender and sex either don't exist at all it's all an absolute construction we're just blobs that can just fall into each other or we live in a a dreadful patriarchy or we live all these alternatives right and then suddenly we've got all of these news stories from all around the world that that are, are showing us that that sex and gender are like still a real thing for a lot of people in very tangible ways so in iran we've got women burning their hijabs because they're being sexually discriminated against you know what i mean very specifically very targeted very specifically uh and then um in russia we've got men only only men well and in the ukraine actually so it doesn't matter whether you're from ukraine or russia uh if you left ukraine and you are a man you would be you're done for cowardice you're done for treason so you had to go return so it wasn't a choice mm. you had to return so if you're in russia you're getting conscripted, 300,000 people, that's a conservative estimate, up to a million is the is the generous one. Um, so suddenly, so if you're, so the BBC is having to write these stories about me, young men getting conscripted, and what are the, what are these people thinking? The people who walk around thinking, saying all this woke shit, and having to write a story about how, you know, gender and sex are so real in that country that only men... Mm. Are getting sent to die. Well, well over in the West, I mean, people bang on about how there's not enough females in the military. You know, I'm sure they wouldn't bang on about that if we were actually at war, because yeah. then they would be conscripted and and they'd be out there fighting. I, th I think the operative um, word from your point, uh, Astro, was thinking. You asked, what are they thinking? I don't think they are. are they at least not not for not for more than like all of five seconds. I think they're just thinking about <laughs> what can I be outraged about to get me more clicks on fucking social media. I think that's all they're thinking. Yes. Because I feel like we still live, to bring, bring it back to the film, I feel like, you know, some of the shit we've witnessed recently has proved that this, this world we've witnessed in Hunt for October is still around. This world is still very real. Like, like the great powers, there's been realignments and shifting, but the Chinese Communist Party and, you know, to a certain extent russia i guess you know uh, and a range of other places they want they they want um they want the pot and they and if they get it they they're gonna do like if china got taiwan and got all the you know the semiconductors and the microchips that wouldn't that's not good that's not a good thing they wouldn't do good things with those things with that you know what i mean like if they got control of the trade routes and stuff yeah, I know how Britain Britain's a big colonizing power and America is so bad and whatever, but let's be real, like there are if China if the Chinese Communist Party gets a foothold, then um the world the, the alternative that they are they're providing is something we should be making the the new hunt for October about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is all very real stuff. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan yeah. of the US, but they're certainly the lesser of two evils. It's like, my brother's a dick, but he's still my brother. Well, no, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, the other guys are you know? much bigger dicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, they are my, bigger dicks, My brother though. gives me a dead arm. They are totally My brother gives dicks. me a dead arm, but the other guy's going to fucking break it, you know? That's mm. right, yeah. So, anyway, that, that's, that's, that was a, 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 a bit of a diversion. But either way, I'm going with Ramius. I told you, all right? I don't want to be bought off. So, that's that. All right, well, here's, uh, here's some trivia for you guys. Um, 
So the the three main actors that had prior military experience, we've got Sean Connery. He joined the Royal Navy when he was 15, and he served on the aircraft carrier HMS Formidable. Uh, Scott Glenn was a U.S. Marine, and James L. Jones was an officer in the U.S. Army. Now, do you guys think that anyone working on Hollywood today has any military experience? Oh, it doesn't um, Adam Driver. Oh, does he? Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think no. he he was he properly served as a as a soldier, but mostly no. You're right, Ricky. Most there's, of them. Are uh, well, yeah. <laughs> there's also that comedian guy who I can't I can't fucking place any movie he's in, but you'd fucking know him if you saw him. And he was apparently special forces. To have a Hollywood actor that's patriotic enough to serve their country in the military, you know that. Mm. Well, I've been doing a lot of research into military stuff lately, and military people. Uh, they are clear-minded. They they are un, largely unburdened by all of this crap we talk about. They've seen the other side, even even wars that they think might have been a little suspect. They're like they still know what's out there. They still know, you know, what real evil looks like and what real bad stuff looks like. You know, like so that's that's that that separates it for you. But when you live exclusive, like Demi Lovato. She she believes things that are just total luxury beliefs, you know. And I know she's got a little bit of mental illness, so it's a bit of a low blow. But at the same time, like, you can only go on about the stuff that her and all the other weird, weird kinkos talk about if you haven't served. <laughs> you know yes, what I mean? Yes. Well, Navy recruiters set up booths in some theater lobbies for people to sign up to join the service. The Pentagon hoped that this move would do for the submarine service what Top Gun did for naval aviation. So I wonder if anyone yeah. came out of the hunt, of, uh, hunt for Red October and signed up. Went, yep. No, because it, no, because you don't get... I'm not sub. You don't get to play volleyball. No, and don't. It looks like it stinks. <laughs> yeah. there, there was nothing yeah, glamorous you know? about service in this yep. movie. And there's guys like in the next rack above you whacking off. Yep. Yeah. You know, like it's not. We well, you know in in subs, uh, lower ranking kind of staff on the subs they share bunks. There's, there's so so such such little space on a sub that there aren't mm. enough beds for the amount of people there. So you got to share. A bit of companionship is nice though on some cold <laughs> nights. I say, just a cuddle. I, I imagine more. I imagine it's more out. split shifts. Yes. Yes. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what I'm. That's what I wanted. I wasn't talking about. <laughs> Anything you, else. you weren't talking about being the little spoon. No, 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 I wouldn't uh, dare. Anyway, moving on. Uh, Tom Clancy's novel became a massive bestseller in 1984 after President Ronald Reagan was spotted carrying the book with him. Great yeah. stuff. I feel like back in the 90s, you, you could go to an airport and everyone would have a Tom Clancy novel under their arm, you know? Yes. I feel, I, I'm surprised, that, I know he's, dead but i'm surprised he hasn't been cancelled sort of just by by proxy mm. you know like oh who cares about fucking subs and military shit and gee fuck that fuck fucking what it's all oppression all right <laughs> <laughs> you know? oh, so here's my main piece of trivia that i think will spark a larger discussion peace so yes uh so uh sean connery he actually conspired with uh, some of the set and costume guys before uh, shooting started. And he arrived on set for his first day with a hairpiece incorporating a ponytail. 
Okay. <laughs> so uh, now several years later, once Connery's uh, you know influence had greatly waned, uh, McTiernan came out in an interview with Sight and Sound magazine, and he was he said he was fucking livid with Connery that he turned up and that he went sort of over the director's head to sort of get this past the producers. Um, so now it seemed like Connery was going to get his way until midway through the second day shooting when the director of photography started laughing when reviewing the dailies and he remarked to Connery that his ponytail looked like a limp swing, a limp swinging dick. So this <laughs> this soon became <laughs> this soon became a meme among the crew. And by the end of the second day, Connery was so upset at the mockery, he relented, and he got oh, makeup wow. to remove the ponytail, and they had to reshoot a key scene. That reportedly cost an extra, an additional twenty thousand dollars. But this is hazing working. Like people, some people say that hazing and shame and <laughs> bullying doesn't work. This, it, this, they did the right thing. Yes. Now, Yuri, you're, the thing that I told you a long time ago was that McTiernan, you know, he knew that he was going to get a wig, right? And I did. I'd forgot. I didn't even mm. know about the ponytails, and that's that's. And Yander Bont saying that it looks like swinging dick is the, is amazing because he's got a European accent, so it would have been even better. It looks like uh, uh, he anyway. wouldn't have been so, subtle about. It. He would have just fucking said it as well. He would have said it. Yeah. Euro Euro yeah. rudeness. So well, at least um, Euro bluntness. Euro bluntness. Well, you know, it's, it's if you've been on the receiving end, it's it could go either way. So the 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 wig though is the, the style of it is Samuel Beckett. So when you see a picture of Samuel, you should Google Samuel Beckett right now. Just type in Samuel Beckett and look at his hair, and that's who Sean Connery modelled it on. This is a famous playwright and novelist. Mm. Yeah, I see. Right. And it's, and it's totally bizarre. Like, you know, I mean, I, I think it's... It's so, it kind of works now that all said and done, but still, it's what the fuck is he even doing? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's so, <laughs> you know, like it's very maybe it's, it's, I was expecting it to be more ridiculous because it kind of just seems reasonably military without being the complete short back and sides jarhead thing, which might be more of an American thing anyway, as opposed to a Soviet thing. So I just kind of looked at it and. I mean, I felt a lot better about this get-up than I did about um, John Voight in Heat. I thought that was way more ridiculous. <laughs> John Voight has made a bad impression on you in that movie. You're someone who loves that movie more than life itself, and you you refuse to get on board with his very authentic but, Okay, his authentic... <laughs> but he played that character nothing like the real dude. Because the real dude, okay. well, at least from what I've seen in, in Reservoir Dogs, is like a little bit of a hillbilly, not this really cool, calm, very softly spoken... California guy. Very kind of minimalist sort of reserved guy. So he's playing really reserved and subdued, and he's got this weird mullet and handlebar mustache. It's like those two things do not gel. That His fucking oh. hair is the worst thing about that movie. <laughs> Well, is Sean Connery's hair in this film better than the hair he had for Zardos? Oh, yeah. 
His hair in Zardos <laughs> is dreadful. Yes. He looks so wicked in this movie. He does look like good, like yeah. like his beard and the hair. I know I sort of bagged it out, but the first time you see him, like when he's got the hat on and stuff, you just go, "Wow, you look powerful." I, I think this is the best segue I'm going to get. But in terms of Sean Connery looking wicked, now this isn't going to be the best thing for an audio only podcast. But I want to show you guys That's a right. picture. Well, I will happily. This mm. is a picture of him doing yes, his bodybuilding. From from the fucking fifties or something. Uh, wow! As He's an eighteen-year-old, he came third place in I think a local bodybuilding contest while he was still uh, serving. I love people getting into bodybuilding in the mid twentieth century. I think that is just so amazing because because we live in a world now with so much opportunity and so it's all right there, all the information. If you want to do something right now, you've got twenty-four hour gyms. You've got like endless motivation on podcasts you've got all of this stuff and people do fuck all all they do is play fucking playstation and whack off and do nothing else so think of this a guy just like he was not even arnie he's just this guy from scotland who's like yes yes i just just thought i'd do a bit of bodybuilding like you know and then he's then he just you know i mean that's crazy Because it's back then, you'd have to explain what that means. You'd have to say, I'm doing body, but they'd say, I don't know what that means. He'd say, well, I, I build my body. Well, the, and the th- about it being back then, it was actually the documentary Pumping Iron in the 70s that uh, brought out bodybuilding and made it actually acceptable. Before then, that's not what men did. You yeah. were a weirdo. And you weren't, like you you weren't a real like man if, you, went to the gym. if you were going in there trying to pump up your arms and start you know, flexing and oil yourself up and, you know, do all your hair removal. So back when Sean was doing it, that's not, that's not what men did. That's not what real men did. It's, it's just a testament to his, his uh, um, you know, commitment and, like, he was mm. always going to make it, you know. Like, he's, he, just like when you found out Arnie was a re- into real estate, you go, oh, so I only saw the tip mm. of the iceberg. All the things that made him successful, he was already doing... Yep. Off screen, he was doing bodybuilding. He was in real estate. He was he was he was keeping toxic people out of his life. Sean Connery was doing the same shit. He's like, and he's got a bit of fucking get up and go. How many people do you know who don't who just who? I mean, it's worse in Australia, I'm sure. But just the just the year riders, just the people who just go, yeah, right. Like if you said, oh, I'm going to do bodybuilding, I'm going to do this thing, they'd just be like, yeah, right. Mm. Like, All those people that have endless ideas, you. like like great ideas that they never never act on. Yeah, it's tragic. Yep. That was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it, but it is things that people say. Locker room talk? All right. Well, I'll blast through this. So there are only two or three uh, speaking parts for women in the movie, which makes this a true celebration of patriarchal hegemony. I shudder to think of what went on in this musky boys club headed up by the president of Pigman, Sean. Women need a good slap in Connery and Alec Baldwin. Alec Shooter Baldwin. Uh, alleged these men alleged shooter sorry um these men no doubt kept women out of this story and well away from production in general by, by, by a quick read of the cast and crew and so the silence of women we have seen for generations continues no doubt there are scores of women across the globe who are just as if not more interested in cold war geopolitics intelligence operations and the particulars of a high-tech military technology okay 
the perspective of women, Wimixen, trans women, and other folks is what's missing from this story. How come we don't hear their unique perspective on the potential development of, you know, magneto-hydrodynamic propulsion drives in, in Soviet Typhoon-class submarines, okay? Women have for too long been kept out of discussions like these, okay? Next up, Jack Ryan commits a cardinal sin uh, almost immediately when he mansplains to the flight attendant about turbulence. Uh, not only should he not have explained things she probably knew anyway, uh, I would argue that if he's serious about making a change, then he needs to lean out and perhaps he should offer his position at the CIA to a, a capable woman. Or an incapable woman. It doesn't really matter. It's the woman. <laughs> so, just whatever. Just something. Just not not him. him. Just not him. Just not him. Do you know the, the, the thing I always hear about mansplaining? Because even my wife sort of, like, you know, I think she firmly believes that this is, this is happening all the time. Um, the, the common retort is, oh, I knew all of that anyway. That's what, that's what they all mm. say. They say, oh, I knew, I, they, oh, a man's explained something I already knew. I'm like, really? You knew, you knew all of, all of the, what they said? All of it? No, like, yeah. <laughs> well, what, <laughs> but also, why didn't they, why didn't they speak up halfway through and go, yeah, yeah, I know all of that. Yeah, but yeah, also, yeah, yeah. The know, amount yeah. of time I've had Shut women up. explain things to me that I already knew. Yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't it's work like well. oh, okay. So, how, how the fuck are you meant to know what I know? So uh, maybe mm. you're just trying to be nice. This is how you fold the washing. Well, this is how it's supposed. <laughs> this is where the these are where the dishes go. You know what? Yes, I actually had exactly. a female coworker explain something to me one day that I'd actually told her the day before. When the fuck did I ever ask you if I could come out here? <laughs> okay, all right. So, uh, I knew we were in trouble when Ramius uh, mentioned to his crew that they will be possibly docking in Havana for some recreation. And an excited Russian seaman leaps from his chair and does the international symbol for hot women. Ricky, which is? What's the international symbol? Wolf whistle? No. Well, no, that's... I must have missed this bit. Oh, the shape. It's curvy, yes. the curvy shape Hour, hands. Hourglass. If you did the... <laughs> yes, it is an hourglass. That's true. If you did the hourglass hands, like out in the street, you can, woo, yep. if you did those, like... <laughs> if you just walked around <laughs> doing that, how long would it be before you got arrested? Now, nowadays, you just have to do that. that that's, that's the acceptable <laughs> the shape. Round hands. <laughs> you do the round hands. Yeah. And everyone goes, yeah, yeah that's, well, that's fine. Yeah. It's fine. No, because, no, because you think it's <laughs> disgusting. You wouldn't get arrested because you're like you're doing it. and You've got a scrunched up face. You're like, mm. I've never seen anyone do a round <laughs> like sound and be happy. Whereas this this seaman, he jumped up and he went, oh, it was the wide eyes, like whoa, 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 whoa. like he's thinking about it, you know. Uh. So anyway. That was I knew that was not going to pan out. So Scott Glenn's character on the USS Dallas remarks that his Morse code is so bad that he might be inadvertently transmitting the dimensions of the playmate of the month to Ramius. Now, think about that. He's talking about the waist and bust measurements of the subjugated women of Hugh Hefner's Playboy Enterprise. Nude women, okay? This is a workplace, and this man is casually mentioning that he has read, or is currently reading, Playboy magazine, a magazine dedicated to exhibiting the bosoms and buns of hot women. I suppose that's good, is it? Mind you, if he was talking about the latest swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated, he would be doing those same round hands that you guys were just talking about. <laughs> he'd say, he'd say, I saw this really hot chick like this. 
And he's doing the round hands. The round hands. We should bring in the round hands. We should say, oh, like, whoa, look at that. Like bauble hands, you know? Anyway, <laughs> the, Yuri's got to discuss. No, no, I'm safety. actually, I'm just, I'm, I'm lamenting. I used to have a bit about, um, like, international symbols, um, which. Yeah, oh, yes. Like, well, yeah, the, you know, there's the, the, the boob hands, hands. And then yeah. the ass hands was, like, a little bit more up. Yeah, that's yeah, ours, yeah. That's like- um, again, yeah, terrible yeah, yeah, for an yeah. audio-only podcast, but also, that's okay. um, like every guy who's ever done that thinks they're being subtle. But the thing is that you spot that, like, out of your peripheral vision from like a kilometer away. There's no subtle ways. Of oh just yeah, kind of going- I, the boob hands. No, but you you could do the. We've talked about this in in years past. You could do the boob hands the most subtle. Like you could just do if you just went like. If you just raise them up a little bit like this, if you just like, like they just curl the fingers towards you <laughs> and lift them up a little bit, oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm doing. But that, right? that's the thing. Like it, it's it's impossible like a, to be subtle. It's so like it's so recognizable, or at least it used to be, that there's there's no way you could do it subtly yes. enough. Well, I've I've just done a Google search of uh, body dimensions Playboy Playmate of the Year, <laughs> and I've come up on, I've come up me, with a research paper uh, called. Playboy Playmate Curves, Changes in Facial and Body Feature Preferences Across Social and Economic Conditions, published in 2004 in the Personality oh, and Social Psychology Bulletin. So, um, this will this will be good. Yeah. We should uh, give it a bit of a read, but yeah, I mean, would you you wouldn't get away with doing a uh, paper like that at a university, you know, to be like No. No. Well, cuz you've got to explain too much. About like what a woman you'd, is, and you'd stuff. be able to do it if you frame it from the point of view about how evil this all is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Activist like scholarship, where you say anyway, it's disgusting. But I have read all these playboys, and this is what they all look like. And isn't it terrible? Yeah. Anyway, yeah, this it's one's so awful. One. Yeah, all, like, all the, like, all the you know, research you'd have to do for the paper. Yeah, you know? actually, maybe that's the next level where you go. Yeah, comrades, like yeah, it's terrible. It's all terrible. Anyway, this is the hottest one. Like, like if you sort of if we if we do it like get it out of the way, you know. But we then we just get on with business. Mm. We just go. I did it, and, and the ones with the big boobs are the best. And everyone's like the best, and you go. I mean, the worst. Oh, that's what I mean. Oh, look, look, look how shit this one is right here. Look at that. Isn't that disgusting? Look at that. <laughs> I think it's terrible. Isn't that disgusting? And I and I'm like, I am looking at it. So anyway, my final point. Most alarmingly, this movie deifies competence and excellence, as if that is all that matters. Ramius, Jack Ryan, Commander Mancuso, Admiral Greer, all of the men in this movie are dedicated, uh, focused, highly skilled. This is offensive on many levels. Firstly, there are other ways of knowing and being that are being ignored here. Uh, it's not uh, of prime importance that someone is a world-class submarine captain in, in a floating capsule of toxic masculinity. I much prefer uh, most entertainment today in which men are either apologizing, being humiliated as foils for sassy women and children, and most importantly, Ryuri, getting their talking to. Okay, that's the most important thing. Like the Hulk, the way the Hulk got his talking to in She-Hulk, in the clip I saw, that was, they should give a special Oscar. They should take it off someone, Daniel Day-Lewis or something, and give it to him for getting his talk, taking his talking to. That's the most important thing that men can do now. Lean out and, t- and listen. That that should be a new category. <laughs> and the Oscar like, goes like, to... It's a punk bitch. Yeah, yeah. Like just so like, is it is it him? just 
a new punk bitch Oscar or will they do the thing of, of, you know, they try to physically or at least symbolically take an Oscar away from a previous male winner? I yes. like the idea that you take yes. it off someone, particularly if they're really skilled. So you go, oh, like, you know, like you go, you start, you go all the way back. You just go, yeah, take away, even even Hitchcock's honorary Oscar, take that Sean away. Sean Connery, take his away. Sean Connery, absolutely take his one. Daniel Lewis, like, Dentel, I mean, I, I guess, Denzel. I guess I could also provide a, a potential teaching moment or, or, or a way for them to atone. So they could, they could bring Tom Hanks up. And, and make him give back his Philadelphia Oscar and and talk about how he's learned that he should never have played um, a homosexual character with AIDS because he wasn't a homosexual character and he didn't actually have AIDS when he played that movie. So, you know. Yeah, well, we've talked about that. That's, yeah, that speaks for itself. It's dreadful. You've got to be the thing. Of course, of course. I mean, so. you know, all, all the Soviet-era um, Russian you know, submarine commanders that could have gotten a role on this movie and it was taken up. I know. It was taken up by these aliased Hollywood actors who gave wonderful performances and made, you know, a lot of money um, because they made an entertaining piece of cinema. It's it's horrible. If if Tom Hanks got AIDS today, would it make Philadelphia okay? Depends. Only if he got it by bumming. (laughs) (laughs) If he just got it, like incidentally got it. I didn't hear many people. Well, if, if you got it, if you no, got a, like, you know, through a heteronormative way, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It still wouldn't be okay. Yeah, I don't know. I think it would make him a lot more exciting. Like if I found out that he was cottaging and stuff, I'd be like, oh wow, really? Great, good on him. Like you know. So yeah, no. I don't, anyway, uh, he's. It speaks for itself. So anyway, that's all I've got. I mean, did I did, did I miss anything out? Well, I, I, I mean, think was, a, another a huge thing was if none of these horrible toxic men were in charge there wouldn't be a war even a cold war yeah um <laughs> this occurred to me that that's women, right if the because the idea is that if yes, we were so in charge no the wars a- wouldn't apart happen, right? from the um study i discovered that was run uh by the university of chicago that looked at um leaders in Europe from the 15th to 20th century and found that women were much more likely to wage war than men. Well, look at Hillary Clinton. She's got to be the biggest war hawk around. Like, she's sending drones straight up your ass, you know? Like, what, the bloodlust on this woman, you know? Well, actually, funnily enough, the the study also found that married female leaders were much more likely to wage war than single female leaders. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. Fascinating. And of course, more men have waged war in terms of numbers because there's been more male leaders. But yeah, the ratio was apparently, um, yeah, married women. Yeah, no, it did occur to me actually because I was like, well, if you if you object to, you know, men and, and whatever in, in general, then you, you are going to say, well, all war is caused by men, all murder is men and, you know, subs are made by men. And, and I mean, that's an in- it's an interesting factoid, but... You know, we live in the world we live in, and it's there. There's not just men out there. It's not. It's not like I think people need to to keep in mind. It's not about like there's no equivalency between. There is a difference between living under a man like Xi and Putin and Grandpa Joe, like like you know what I mean. Like for all his faults, like the 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 difference is they are all men. Yes, that's true. Maybe they all all are part of the patriarchy, but you know. Chinese Communist Party wants things that you've got, you know, and Russia is ta- is is you know although it, it's kind of nuded a little bit, it's still, it you know, 
uh, they're, they're taking shit when they want it, you know. So, and that's what's really going on out there. And that's why we've got to get back to this. We get back back to this, get back to these issues, back to these stories. The reason it was so suspenseful is because sat, I sat there as a middle-aged man going, oh, my God, oh, my God, like the world is filled with people who want oil and money and power and all your stuff and it's it's just a, it's just a bunch of spinning plates you know of of sort of, sort of uh, spheres of influence and everyone's you know clambering like north korea just fires they constantly firing ballistic missiles constantly doing missile tests do you want north korea getting <laughs> getting any technology I mean, I, I do think this is all a huge diversion from the larger issue, which is getting people's pronouns correct. I mean, it's far more important and consequential to, to the, the state of the world and, and everyone's, you know, everyday life and all the rest of it. So, Wouldn't it be funny if Putin was in a meeting and they did the pronouns? Thing? <laughs> my, name is, my, my name is Vladimir. <laughs> he, him. He, him. You've definitely been here, here. definitely. <laughs> it wouldn't be anything else. Yeah, he's not into it. No. They're all laughing their ass off. They are, all of them. They're just, they're just going, this is hilarious, you know, like this, all of this stuff. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's like if, if you see someone having the worst day of their life, it's, it's like funny as long as it's not you. You know, you, you, you can <laughs> laugh right. at it until you start feeling like, oh, that might be you. And then all of a sudden you just go, oh, my God, it's fucking horrible. So in the, the locker room, uh, you know, Free toxic masculinity. Yeah. Right there. All the way. Yeah. It is toxic, toxic. isn't it? It's as toxic as those countermeasure canisters <laughs> that they shoot out. Or, or, or what the real radiation leak would have done. Yes, that's true. All right. Well, final thoughts on, on uh, Hunt for October? It's great. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm succinct. I, I think I, I'm probably going to go back and watch the other Tom Clancy movies now and, and just kind of, you know, go through all the Harrison Ford ones. Great. Well, I'd be interested to hear what you think of those because it's been a while since I've seen them and. Yeah, I remember them being similarly yeah, boring. Yeah, I mean, I've kid, seen so. at least parts of some of them and, and, you know, they pop up on the streaming service. I'm like, oh, yeah, that bored the shit out of me. I'm not watching that. But now I'm like, fuck him. They might actually be awesome. But we weren't family men either. So now, now you, can, you watch it and you're like, oh, yes, I want to buy a teddy bear for my daughter. You know, <laughs> it's all part of it. I want to shoot bad guys and bring a teddy yeah. bear home to my mm -hmm. daughter. That's pretty much what I want to do. Well, you don't want to shoot bad guys. You want to have sub battles. I want to shoot the bad guy in the missile room. So uh, that's time for October. Now, next month is the Spooktacular. Now, Ricky came up with this. Ama what an amazing suggestion this was. Because we're going to do some Hammer movies on side boob. Mano a mano, next edition, Wolf. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. What do you think of that? Spader, Nicholson. Yep. Toxic masculinity toxic werewolf literal fishing contests yes. i like it like yeah so this is just this is an incredible suggestion I, i'm just i can't believe it so that's what we're gonna do i'm down very good well um well i guess that's it um until next time uh, don't be pussy don't be pussy